Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Say, say, it's October 19th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my recap of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. To get right into it, the Miami Dolphins defeated a New York Jets team that looked lifeless on Sunday by a score of 24-0. to The Dolphins moved to 3-3 with the win, and the Jets fall to 0-6. With 2.27 left in the fourth quarter, the Dolphins turned a first-round pick to a tongue of Iloa. Tua went 2-for-2, two two, nine yards in his debut, converting Miami's lone third-down conversion of the game. Now, after the game, Tua returned to the field and sat down to soak in the moment. He said, quote, I ended up FaceTiming my parents because they couldn't be here, he said. That's usually how it goes. I usually talk to my parents after the game, and my parents usually never miss my games, close quote. So, to get into the recap of this game, if I could describe this game in one word, it would be sloppy. The game was sloppy in large part because of the Jets, who went two for 17 on third downs, and they had a total of 148 yards passing, courtesy of of Adam Gase, the quarterback whisper, but the Dolphins could have won this game realistically by 50, and really that's no exaggeration. If their offense had played well, this could have gone even worse for the New York Jets. The defense, you know, it really did win this game for Miami, as you can tell by the final score. The constant pressure by guys like Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Sealer, and the constant blitzes that were sent had Joe Flacco running for his life and launching balls into the stratosphere. Flacco was 2 for 14 on pass is beyond 10 yards in this game. Emmanuel Ogba finishes the game with two sacks. He now has four sacks in the last three games. Now, no play to me showcased Ogba's dominance more than his sack on Flacco that resulted in a 28-yard loss on the play. His five sacks right now on the season are fourth most in the entire NFL, trailing only Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Now, if we take a look at Zach Sealer, the guy has just been a monster in the trenches. He continues to congest the running lanes. He had several key tackles, including one for a loss, and he was heavily involved in applying pressure on Flacco all game. Now, to stay on the defensive side of the ball, if we take a look at Xavier Howard, he had the clamps all game on wide receiver Jamison Crowder. Crowder finishes game seven catches for 48 yards on 13 targets. Little side note here, Crowder coming into this game had three games consecutively with over 100 yards, and in this game, again, he only had 48. Xavier Howard also recorded his fourth interception on the season. That gives him one in each of the last four games, and he remains tied for the NFL lead in interceptions with Kendall Fuller. Now, as for the other defensive back Miami has here, Byron Jones, I will say he was targeted pretty heavily, especially at the beginning of this game. The Jets were really trying to test him on some of these deep passes, primarily targeting uh, Brashad Perriman on these routes. Uh, There were a few plays where it looks like Jones did in fact get beat by Perriman, but Flacco could not connect whether it was because of uh, pressure that was involved or because of Flacco straight up missing, it did look like uh, Byron Jones got beat on a few of those plays. Now, if we take a look at the defensive line here for the Dolphins, Christian Wilkins continues to be heavily involved, and he was in this victory as well. He had a sack, he had affected uh, pass at the line of scrimmage, and he just generally causes a ton of disruption and fills up a lot of these running lanes. Now, the Dolphins front overall did a good job at swallowing up the run, I thought. If you take away this 34 
24-yard run by Ty Johnson, then the Jets really weren't able to get anything going on the ground, especially if you compare it to some of Miami's poor outings in previous games. Now here, if we take a look at the offensive side of the ball, this is where things get a little bit rough. Uh, offensively, the team was all right. And I'll say that because the team did in fact look pretty smooth in the first half of this game, only to completely stagnate though in the second half. I had in my expectations column that I thought Miles Gaskin would have the best game of his career. And guess what he did? He had a career high 91 rushing yards and he also had 35 yards receiving in this game. Aside from him though, this ended up being, you know, a pretty underwhelming performance overall for the offense. Fitzpatrick got off to what looked like a red hot start. He finished a half 14 for 18, 147 yards, three touchdowns, and he did have one interception. However, though, he finished the game 18 for 27, 191 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. So if you do the math there, in the second half, he completed four of nine passes for 44 yards and one interception. That is drastically lower than what he was doing in the first half of this game. So to kind of summarize uh, Fitzpatrick's gameplay in this game, if we go over the positives, the good of what he had, he had three touchdown passes. All of those were within four yards. Two of those were two tight ends, Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen. And Fitzpatrick also find a wide open Adam Shaheen for a 43-yard reception uh, earlier in this game. The other touchdown was to Preston Williams, who now has three touchdowns in his last four games. And I will say a little also side note here with Fitzpatrick. He had this uh, very creative left-handed toss while he was scrambling away from pressure. It's a play that I think would have been all over your Twitter feed and your Facebook feed if it was done by a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Now, if we take a look at the bad of what Fitzpatrick did, he had a frustrating interception with 29 seconds remaining in the second quarter. He tried to, uh, it looks like, rocket a pass to Gesicki through a very tight window, only for it to be an, inter uh, an easy interception for Brian Poole. The interception came uh, while the Dolphins were in the red zone and were pretty close to scoring there. And then as for the next interception, it came in the fourth quarter. He threw up what was a very contested ball to Preston Williams. It was intercepted by Marcus May. It was kind of this bizarre interception where he caught it, uh, you know, with his rear side. It was really bizarre. And then uh, Fitzpatrick, he targeted Devontae Parker eight times in this game. He would only come away with three catches for 35 yards. So it was definitely uh, one of Parker's lower end in terms of production games. Now, perhaps even more shocking than that is Mike Kosicki. After a huge 91-yard receiving game, Mike Kosicki finished the game in here without a single catch. So, uh, you know, Mike Kosicki continues to be up and down, either a monster game or a complete dud. If you're thinking fantasy football, I can see why there is definitely some risk when it comes to uh, starting a guy like Mike Gesicki. Uh, now, if we take a look here, Tua Tungvaloa took over for Ryan Fitzpatrick with 227 remaining in the fourth quarter for the final drive of this game. He ran a total of five plays. Two of those were passes. He found Patrick Laird for his first NFL completion. He completed the pass while on the run. He was rolling to the left side of the field for what was a two-yard gain. And then on the following play, he connected with Jakeem Grant for a gain of seven. And this one's kind of nice because if you look at what he did, it appears like he looks off the defender, allowing Grant to have some space to get open. And that's a move that is pretty impressive considering this is a rookie in his first NFL game. It can show you why people are so excited about Tua Tungavailoa. So 
to get right into my takeaways from this game. The first takeaway I have here is that Tua probably won't be the starter after the bye week. This is nothing to do with Tua's performance in this game, but rather just because the team still had a dominating win with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm of the offense. This wasn't a situation like Baker Mayfield taking over for Terod Taylor in his rookie season. This was more, if I had to compare it to anything, it was like Patrick Mahomes in week 17 of his rookie season. He got some uh, playing time there to get some experience, but at the end of the day, it was still Alex Smith's team. And then you have to take into consideration who are the Dolphins playing. They're going up against the Los Angeles Rams after their bye week. I doubt any team would want to throw in their rookie quarterback, let alone a guy like Tua who has dealt with some injuries to Aaron Donald in their first professional start. I've liked what I've seen from this young offensive line, but at the same time, I'm not delusional. I don't know if there's any answer to Aaron Donald, and I would be very worried about sending Tua in for this game in particular for his first one. Now, for my next takeaway here, this was the least inspiring blowout game that I've ever seen. Uh, the Dolphins defense did a terrific job. Anytime you shut down an opponent completely, the defense deserves to be heralded for doing an awesome job. But this Jets team is the most unmotivated team I think I've ever seen with my own eyes. They looked defeated in the first quarter. There was no sense of camaraderie with them as they looked like they were just going through the motions. They flat out gave up in this game and it's really hard to evaluate your team when the opponent is playing that bad. Then you add in the fact that the Dolphins Dolphins offense disappeared. It ended up being this most bizarre, unsatisfactory blowout game that I think I've ever witnessed. Now, for my last takeaway for this game is that Emmanuel Ogba deserves more recognition and Zach Sealer deserves an extension. After several weeks of praising Ogba, it just seems like that we're seeing the true him. This is actually how he plays. To say he has been the best player on defense this season seems just about accurate. And as for Zach Sealer, this is one of those opportunities where the Dolphins could secure a young player before they hit their peak and reap the wealth of it, as opposed to what they did for the past decade, which is overpaying for some big names who are very clearly past their prime. So the Dolphins have an opportunity here to do the opposite and lock up a guy like Zach Sealer, who is still very young. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven or at via the source on Twitter. If you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, if you could subscribe, that would be a tremendous help. But guys, as always, it was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.